Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Perhaps middle age is, or should be, a shedding of shells. The shell of ambition, the shell of material accumulations and possessions, the shell of ego. Perhaps one can shed at this stage in life as one sheds in beach living. One's pride, one's false ambitions, one's mask, one's armor. Was that armor not put on to protect one from the competitive world? If one ceases to compete, does one need it? Perhaps one can, at last, in middle age, if not earlier, be completely oneself. And what a liberation that would be. Anne Morrow Lindbergh, Gift from the Sea. Hello and welcome to Born of Wonder. I'm Katie Marquette. On this podcast, we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. Greetings from the best month of the year, October. Anne of Green Gables said it best. I'm so glad I live in a world where there are Octobers. I have friends who are so sick of me saying that quote. I say it all year round, just waiting for October to come around. (laughs) It's the month when uh, usually things are sort of legitimately and consistently cool uh, for the most part. Uh, Our wedding anniversary is this month. Uh, Leaves are changing. Just a beautiful time of year. It's also when we get to look forward to sort of that um, just cycle of holidays days that I love so much. We have Thanksgiving and Advent coming and then Christmas and New Year's and it's just sort of this cycle of um, wonderful reasons to celebrate and beautiful liturgical traditions and uh, sweaters and boots and all those good things. But I know everyone's sick of me talking about the weather. (laughs) I know my husband is. He's like, I can't take this anymore. I mean, I think he's much happier now that I'm happy about the weather. But um, yeah, I... uh, (laughs) Maybe I should have been a weather reporter. I really enjoy talking about it. Um, So thank you so much for listening. So excited to be back. I took a week off there um, as we were just getting back from our trip to Minneapolis to see our friend Ellen. Uh, She's a listener to the podcast. So thank you, Ellen, for listening as are uh, her sisters, I think. I know Lily is. So thank you, Lily, for visiting as well. It was so lovely to see you guys. Uh, Old friends are such a gift, such a gift. It's so amazing to think that we met, uh, you know, back when we were studying abroad in Oxford, 11 years ago now, 12 years ago now, um, it's time flies. And we actually have stayed in touch largely through letters, um, visits as well, but uh, letter writing. I have a stack of Ellen's letters, and I know she has some of mine. So it's an amazing thing. If you can uh, keep up a correspondence, um, I would recommend it. I think there's also something so beautiful about the intimacy of letter writing, about the ability to share uh, deep things, personal things in ways you just can't in a catch-up text message. Um, 
I think that letters can be, even for all the time taken between getting a letter, you know, it, it might seem like you're more out of touch with somebody you primarily letter write with. Uh, but actually, you're more in touch with them because you're sharing the deep things. You're not just giving them highlight reels and things like that. And of course, there are friends that I stay in touch with um, primarily via like voice memo on WhatsApp or um, or via text or phone calls and things like that. But I'm just saying if you can get into um, a letter writing habit with somebody, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to sustain friendship over the years. But of course, it's so wonderful when we can finally see each other in person. So if you'd like to hear me uh, wax philosophic on the Mississippi River, am I encountering it in, uh, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, head on over to Substack. I am writing away over there, sharing all kinds of things, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of, uh, you know, just just wonderings as I encountered this wonderful city. I was like, maybe I should have lived in a city, which I very rarely ever think. I really almost never think that because I've lived in a city twice. I lived in D.C. and Baltimore, and I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. But now I'm thinking maybe I just chose the wrong cities. I don't know. Um, actually, that's sort of my um, impetus for today's episode is I wanted to talk about temperament and what lifestyles suit us best and what challenges we need, what challenges we should uh, put up with, what challenges we shouldn't, uh, and just sort of this clarity of life that we're all seeking. Um, I know we're all second guessing ourselves all the time, or at least I am. (laughs) Um, Not about foundational things, you know, uh, marriage, children, those things like that, but sort of the uh, exterior surfaces of things about, um, you know, what what is best for our family, what is the best thing to do, what is the right balance of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of activities and things like that. Those are the sort of things I'm constantly second guessing because uh, my mood and just the sort of random happenings of any given period of time can radically change how I feel about those things. So we're going to be talking about temperament, personality, lifestyle, and this great uh, phrase I learned from an article that Jen Fulweiler wrote back in 2018 about wholeness of visions. I hope it is helpful for you. As always, you can find me online, go to bornofwonder.com, go to the contact me page, uh, send me an email, marketkatie at gmail.com. And as I said, I am on Substack. I I write a lot over there. I was looking at how many posts I've written since I joined, I think back in, I think it was April. And uh, it's like 48 posts. So it's, it's serving me well because I wanted to write more this year. I wanted to get back to my writing in a real way and have a consistent writing habit and, uh, you know, really, really kind of buckle down because I do have goals about, you know, publishing things and just sort of making this, you know, I want, I want to do this. I want to do the writing literary thing. So Substack has helped me uh, stay true to those goals. And uh, I'm very grateful for it. I will say a caveat, I, I don't have the new Substack app. Uh, they updated it. Uh, but a lot of people say that it's very sort of newsfeed heavy. And uh, that's really unfortunate. There's like sort of a notes section of Substack uh, that is kind of newsfeed like I've never been a huge fan of it, though I sort of saw it as a necessity for sharing work and discovering new writers and things like that. But um, I think I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that Substack's, you know, getting a little too excited by its successes and maybe preferencing some algorithms and things like that in ways that I hope they move away from because I always liked sort of the clarity of just newsletter, inbox, subscribe, not subscribe, these sort of things. So uh, that's just my caveat. But I still think it's, you know, especially when you're what our choices are out there. um, Substack is a great 
option. You know, it's a great, it's a great, uh, great platform to connect with like-minded people. There's a lot of really good writing out there and I've discovered so much of it on Substack and it also, um, doesn't have the same sort of, uh, addictive, um, like comments, you know, dopamine hit sort of, uh, premise. Uh, of course, you you know you you get subscribers. It's exciting to get more subscribers, especially if you're sort of trying to make a go of it on Substack. But um, it just isn't the same uh, the same, I think, as social media platforms. So anyway, that's my sort of just long caveat about it. I used to really recommend the app, but I don't use the new app, so I can't say whether or not that's good. But it's a great platform uh, as it is right now. So and uh, if you'd like to get more Born of Wonder things, uh, I post a lot. I, I write a lot. I share uh, sound escapes every month for paid subscribers. Um, so there's there's a lot going on out there. So I started this episode with a quote from Anne Morrow Lindbergh's Gift from the Sea, a really lovely book. Maybe you read it recently because it was one of the well-read mom book club picks last year. A uh, really, really lovely meditative book. Um, Anne Morrow Lindbergh is famous for a number of reasons. She was the wife of the famous aviator, Charles Lindbergh. Uh, she was the first woman to earn an um, uh, aviation glider license, uh, went on many travels, a uh, really fascinating woman in many ways. But in this, in this small little book, she talks about uh, a solo trip to the sea that she takes. And uh, she's in her little beach hut and taking long walks and examining shells and having this rare opportunity to have a rich interior life, a quiet interior life. She's a busy, a busy woman, you know, in her day-to-day life with a house and children and all sorts of things going on. And she's sort of talking about what we can take away from those moments of interiority, uh, what we can take away from uh, a, a trip to the sea. And in this particular quote, she's talking about what we can learn um, in middle age. And uh, as I've written about on Substack and talked about here, I've had a birthday recently. I'm I'm not what many would consider middle-aged yet, although we never know, right? Uh, We never know what our middle age is. But um, it it does make me think, though, at this period of my life um, about clarifying things, about what is true about myself, what is not and I definitely feel that. I feel um, out of sort of the hustle and uh, of my 20s and just wanting to clarify what is actually true about myself, about my interests, about my desires, about my goals. Uh, <laughs> this is my life right now. I don't know if you can hear this sort of rustling around, but baby Lucy has joined us uh, after her nap and is uh, playing <laughs> next to me. <laughs> so we'll see how long this lasts. Um, this is my life right now. The, the interior life, you know, is caught in between lots of other little things, right? With a two and a half year old and an eight month old and all these animals. I don't, why do we have all these animals? That's been my biggest question. I'm half kidding um, because I was somebody who grew up wanting 10 dogs and, you know, 20 horses and a farm in Montana. So this is clearly something true about myself. There's something here that is extremely authentic to me. Um, there's a Theodore Roosevelt quote we have on our wall, which I think about a lot. He says, I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. Now, caveat that I think very few people lead easy lives. Uh, even the people who might be easy in one respect are hard in other ways. You know, some people um, maybe, uh, you know, have wonderful relationships, but be very, um, you know, have, have a lot of struggles materially. But I think more often than not, a lot of people, especially the people that we admire in our society who are very materially well off, you know, famous or who knows what else, 
uh, are lacking in sort of those soul deep level relationships and maybe they would give up all those things for um, for a real deeper relationships I mean we unfortunately see that when people like Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade and uh, Marilyn Monroe you know people people take their own lives who are uh, you know quote unquote have it all so I don't uh, envy is a envy is a dangerous thing to throw around. I don't think anybody has a really easy go of it. But I think that especially in our culture now, where we sort of celebrate um, victimization a lot, uh, competing often for who's been victimized the most, uh, this idea that uh, difficulty is a is sort of an opportunity, not a burden, but an opportunity to overcome something, to challenge yourself, and maybe in some important ways. I think that can be a very important way to look at things, a good way to look at your own life. And I think this is um, some of the challenges that we face with our personality type obsessed culture. I am not immune to this. I love I love a good personality quiz. Okay, I just took one. I took uh, the Myers-Briggs, um, you know, to, to see what... Uh, what I was because I used to be an ENFP and when I took it again I am an ENTP which is the debater type um, so that's the other thing right you might be one quote-unquote personality type at one point in your life and another at a different point in your life so I think a lot of times people take these personality types to be a bit too prescriptive right um, there was a great post recently on Substack by Haley Stewart she did a wonderful series is doing a wonderful series on Jane Austen books and the most recent was on Sense and Sensibility and uh, her post, I'll put a link in the show notes, is, is Marianne Dashwood an ENFP? <laughs> I think she is. Um, but there's a quote from, from her article which goes, our temperaments may be what we start out with, the ingredients were given, but we have to form them into character that is strengthened or weakened over time through our moral education and habits. Character building is what leads to becoming our best selves, to use a popular turn of phrase. And this is just so true. And I think a lot of times we use these um, personality types, uh, you know, oh, I'm I'm this way. I, that's just who I am um, as an excuse um, for not doing things, <laughs> not rising to the occasion. You know, oh, I'm introverted, so I'll never do X, Y, Z. Oh, I'm extroverted, so I, I you know, I don't, I, I won't take the time to do, you know, interior work. I won't read or pray in the same way. When really maybe we're being asked to be challenged in those ways. Um, maybe, th maybe we're asked to do things that aren't so natural to us, you know, um, that we have certain dispositions, uh, certain gifts that we should allow to flourish and certain things that um, maybe, maybe the culture doesn't see as a gift, but is, you know, and I do think this can be true for, for more introverted people where it's like our society isn't built, uh, for introverts as much, but introverts have a lot to offer. And so, you know, you can use that unique personality perspective of yours to go into situations with a unique perspective. Um, so, so we all have gifts, right, that we should cultivate. But there's probably also areas of our personality where, you know, maybe we aren't a very, you know, naturally generous person. Maybe we're a little, um, a little stingy. Maybe we are not naturally um, emotionally generous. Maybe we, we're a little cold hearted sometimes. And these are things to work on, not, um, not to just give up and say, well, that's just the way I am, you know, sorry, not sorry, that's who I am. So I think that that development of character is often what's lacking in discussions of personality types. 
For instance, Baby Lucy, what personality type are you? I'm going to tell you, these two little girls, I can already tell, are very different. But I can also see that maybe they're going to be more similar than I originally thought. Uh, I got to stop judging babies by their newborn personalities. So I used to think Lucy was going to be real introverted. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> She's trying to grab the mic. What do you want to say? <laughs> Um, so, you know, we're born, we're born with certain gifts. Absolutely. Certain personalities are inherent, but it's, it's, again, it's not prescriptive for our whole life. Right. And we also change, we grow and change and become different people, um, in good and bad ways over, over the course of our life. Um, so I'm going to give you a little example per my musing about city versus country is before my husband and I moved to our little farmette six years ago now. We lived in Baltimore City, and we had a sidewalk in front of us uh, that was ours, was ours to take care of. And there was some weeds growing on it. Uh, And we got a notification from the city uh, like three times that we needed to clean up these weeds. And I'm saying they were like three weeds in between sidewalk cracks. We could have just gone out there, put some weed killer on it, and called it a day. And we never did it. We never did it. (laughs) And we got fined. And then uh, in our sort of delusional way we then were like time to move to a farm oh the woman who used to live here is a master gardener great no problem we love the outdoors so that's an example of maybe not being honest about who we are you know I don't think I'm very good at gardening I don't really think I'm very organized and there's a lot of things in farm life that require uh you know some skill in those areas I'm thinking about things in our house that I struggle with organizationally. You know, the kids' clothes, their closets are a mess. Uh, But does that really matter? It does. Ultimately, I want to get to a point where I have organized closets. But there are other things that need my attention more and that matter more um, in day-to-day living. You know, dishes and... uh, um, you know, just keeping things wiped down and clean and, and in the barn, having a clean feed room because, you know, having hay everywhere is a fire hazard. Like there are certain things that just, I only have so much time. Chris only has so much time with work and kids and everything else. And if we want to, you know, do this, we have to f- find ways that work with us. Um, it's also funny when I think back to what I loved so much about this house. It's the room that I'm sitting in now, which is the smallest room in the house, but it has these built in bookshelves. <laughs> and uh, a little gas fireplace and uh, it's just like a tiny little room and it was so snug and lovely and I first saw it in the winter time and I was like I want to be in here I want to be in this room reading so (laughs) even when I think about what I loved so much about the farm it was the tiny room Um, so if I going back I, I might you know caution myself against my sort of inherent enthusiasm Uh, you know, loving the countryside, you know, maybe in an ideal world, uh, maybe I wouldn't maintain all this, you know, but, but I'm not Lady Mary, um, much to my extreme and ongoing disappointment. So we're not the landed gentry. So, (laughs) so we have to figure out a way uh, to, to, to make it work if we're going to do it, right? So and you know, I know life is crazy. And who knows, who knows what will happen in the course of our lives. (laughs) Right, Lucy? But um, at this moment, uh, I think we're where we need to be. I think it's great for the kids. I think it's a gift that we can live here. Unique circumstances allowed us to live here in the first place. So seasons change, you know. Um, Not just talking about summer into fall, thank goodness. Uh, But, you know, seasons of our life. And I won't always be um, busy in the same ways that I am right now. I'm sure I'll always be busy. But... 
I'll be busy in different ways and maybe it will make more sense to do things in a different way. So uh, I don't want to be um, a slave to the immediate, right? So this is this quote from Jim Fulweiler's essay uh, in American Magazine. Um, I'll put a link to it. Here's a quote from it. She says, my controlling tendencies led me to fixate so much on the immediate problems that I could not see past them. I tended to live my life ruled by the tyranny of the immediate Think of that phrase, the tyranny of the immediate. So I certainly am guilty of this. And I think probably a lot of parents are when you, you know, you you, you need sleep so bad. And it seems like some phase that your baby or toddler or kid is in is never going to end. And you just make decisions based on that one little phase. And then before you know it, it's a month or two later and things are totally different. <laughs> so again, I think this is going back to the and Maura Lindbergh quote that we started with, which is like finding what is authentic, finding what is authentic to you for real, like your authentic interests, your authentic temperament that doesn't change with the seasons. So I'm still working on that. Maybe I'm going to do a post about it. Um, I'll write about it. I'll certainly write about it, at least for myself, just to clarify, you know, what if I'm looking sort of at the arc of my life uh, or the motifs as um, Milan Kundera wrote about in The Unbearable Lightness of Being. He talked about, you know, sort of the symphony, the music of our lives, how there are certain themes that repeat. You know, what are the repeating themes in your life? What are they? Um, Because lots of things change, circumstances change, we have different challenges, different desires, and different seasons of life. But I think most of us have sort of a consistent... Um, there's something consistent under there, you know, and I just off the top of my head, I think about sort of my love of books and my love of the outdoors and art and beauty and, you know, time to appreciate that and share it with other people. Like that is, that is the consistency in my life. So anyway, this was a little bit of a rambling episode and more rambling at the end than I intended. Thanks to this bairn. Hello, little bairn. Believe it or not, she's not really fussing. This is just sort of how she talks right now. She started babbling briefly and then went back to sort of these monster sounds. Uh, are you a little monster? Um, <laughs> um, we're going to go grocery shopping now and pick up your sister. So, yeah, this is the season. So thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for being along with me here for it. <laughs> I'm going to end the episode with um, a lovely piece of music by uh, Danish String Quartet. It's called Minuet Number 60, and it's part of a playlist that I made on Spotify called Fall Joy, which I will put in the show notes. So please uh, email me, um, comment, or, you know, just I would love to know more about how this strikes you, about your personality types, about how they've changed or not changed. What are the what's your living situation? Is it is it fulfilling you? Um, have you chosen the right challenges, the right joys in life? Uh, I know we're all just figuring it out, right? Right, Lucy? (laughs) This is Katie Marquette. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, And this is Born of Wonder.
And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. 